Welcome back. This week, Kale Tyson returned to the podcast. You remember Kale, the musician, the ceramicist, the writer. <laughs> he had just released a book last time he was on the show just a couple months ago, but he's a musician originally from Texas, now living in my neighborhood in LA. He walked over the other day and we sat at my table and caught up about what's happened since his last appearance on the podcast and his upcoming new album. And we realized that since last episode focused primarily on him getting sober and going to rehab, we barely talked about his music trajectory, which he does talk about in this, everything from playing in emo bands in high school to beginning his music career in Nashville and touring as a classic country artist to what he's doing now, which is a big shift to make this pop country album. So we get into that and the process around it and his feelings around it. And we also delve into our feelings around aging and entering what Richard Rohr calls the second half of life. I don't know if we technically are, but I think so. And bouncing between creative projects and attachment styles and dating and learning to not take anything too seriously. He always makes me laugh. He really does. So here's my conversation recorded just a couple days ago with my friend, musician, Kale Tyson. A few of the singles will be out very soon and keep your eyes peeled for this new album that will be coming in the new year. Okay. Hi, Kale. Hello. How are you feeling? I feel pretty good. Welcome back. Thank you for having me back. A lot has changed. A lot has stayed the same. What do you think has changed since? I think a lot has changed, but a lot has stayed the same, honestly. I think at that time we were talking a lot about me getting sober, which was a very fresh thing for me at mm. the time. Well, congrats on a year. That's yeah, huge. thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it feels good. It's one of those things where it never crosses my mind anymore, the urge to do any drinking or drugs or anything like that. It was pretty cool. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. It's funny because I have this very open schedule to an extent where I feel like lately I've actually been working on a majority of my time goes into working on the things that I want to work on, which feels really good. I think a lot of times I get bogged down with the work schedule or just like various tasks that kind of keep me away from doing the things I want to do. And lately it's been like, I would say four to five days out of the week are dedicated to making music or doing these music videos. It just, it feels very exciting and it feels productive in a way that I don't know. I, I'm sure we can expand on this, but I've been doing <clears throat> so many different creative outlets over the last couple of years mm -hmm. in terms of ceramics or making the book or doing photography. And I didn't think that I was going to ever fully go back into music. And now it's all on, which was a surprise to me. But anyway, so now that's become my life. And it's like, I don't know, it feels good to have that passion back in there. Yeah, we talked about this last time mm -hmm. a little bit. And like you said, we covered you getting sober as the centerpiece of that. But then actually, I'm going to play you a clip mm -hmm. because I want to talk about the new album. There's a couple singles that are out or going to be out really soon. Yeah, this year. And funnily enough, last time we were talking about what you were just alluding to. And I'd love to hear about what this process has been like, but... First, I want to play you this clip because okay. I was on 
this hike that, well, maybe while I'm pulling this up, you can tell everyone, but we have really been on a stretch of running into each other up there at pretty odd times, but it seems to be the place we both do our alone time from what I can yeah, tell. I think you're the one person that I see on that hike that I know. And I think it's been the last three times I've yeah. run into you. And those are the last three times that I've actually done it. It hasn't been like three random times. It's like the last three consecutive times I've run into you there. You want to know something funny? When I, when I got back from Montreal, as you know, I got here, set down my suitcase, went up the hill to do that because it was going to get dark. Mm -hmm. And I ran into somebody else and I hadn't really seen, I definitely hadn't seen anyone since I got back to LA, but I really barely saw anyone I knew there. And I was kind of excited to see friends when I got here. And right before I saw you, I saw somebody else that I knew. Mm -hmm. But... I would think I had this really earnest big wave and kind of, wow, here I am back in LA yeah, seeing a friend. Like they don't know I'm gone. Popular. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Totally cool guide me. Totally. Cool guide you. Yeah. It was like, like in a way that I really was not anticipating because I've seen this person frequently up there too. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe when I saw you, I was timid saying hi because I just had yeah. that happen a few yeah, minutes before. And you were so nice and happy to see me and well, chatted for a minute. You, you cool guided me kind of the other day when I saw you up there, but in a very cool way because we had run into each other. You were like, on the phone. I was on the phone. You mm -hmm. knew it. We had seen each other twice before on this hike. We had gotten out everything we needed to say to each other. And I noticed that you were talking to me. And we were talking a little bit, but then you were like still kind of climbing the hill. And I was like, that's cool. She's like, I read the room. I didn't yeah, cool guy you. Room, it was <laughs> a cool not thing a, to do, oh, but it you. was like, it was, per I actually told someone about it. I was like, yeah, I was so sick. I ran into Katie. We knew that we didn't need to have a yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah. I was like on the phone and we just kind of said our hello and went by. Yeah, I know. That's the best thing when you can just, but not the same thing as cool guy. But. Yeah, yeah. All right. Our research department has successfully found the clip that I'm going to play. So you were talking about if you were worried that your personality might change after getting sober. And then I ask, are you worried or were you worried that it would affect you creatively? And I was like, all right, I got to get back to songwriting and doing these things that make me happy. And I sat down with my song journal and I was like, okay, let's work on some songs that I started in the past six months. And I pulled up these songs and they were shit. They were so bad. And just lazy rhymes, just they didn't really mean anything. And it was all just because I didn't have the brain capacity to really write about anything meaningful. And I immediately, over the span of a couple of weeks, wrote five new songs. And it wasn't difficult. It was like, all right, this feels natural. It kind of just poured out of me. And there's songs that are about stuff other than, oh, like she broke my heart. Or it's more things that I feel are more meaningful to me right now. So then you started yeah. from scratch and that's the album that we're going to no, get. So check this out. I've done a full 180 on this whole thing. So the songs I'm alluding to in that were I did write five songs that are like definitely in the folk, indie, whatever world um, and started recording those. And those are still in process. But this is a whole different thing entirely. I think that it's funny because listening to that, like when I got sober, I was very like, feeling spiritual and feeling the energy of everything and i still do it's not gone but i've also gotten a little bit more like crazy <laughs> like not in a bad way but just i feel like i have this new energy that's present in my life that was like only present when i was drinking like when i was drunk like this like kind of like happy-go-lucky mm. silly kind of quality um and that's created the songs that i'm writing now 
um, for this project, which is crazy different from the other songs. The other songs I'm sure will come out, but this is like a whole different thing entirely. How so? I mean, for lack of a better term, it's like pop country. I do want to hear like how it yeah. happened. Okay. <laughs> so I got really into a pop country artist who shall remain unknown. I'm not going to say the name here. I'll tell you after. Um, and at first it was one of those things. I grew up listening to country music. Like I played country music for 10 years of my life, did tours, put out records, but it was always like traditional, like Merle Haggard, Buck Owens, Johnny Cash, like that kind of realm of country. Yeah. And in my mind, and probably 90% of my fans, pop country was like bullshit. It was like what you hear on the radio is garbage, trash, throw it away, wouldn't be caught dead listening to it. And then something flipped and I listened to this artist and I was like, at first I was like, this is so cringe. I'm not into this. And then after a couple listens, I was like, oh shit, I kind of like this. <laughs> and then I kind of just went down that rabbit hole and I was like, I really like this, actually. And let the record stay. I don't love all pop country. I think a lot of it is very pandering and ridiculous. But I was learning a few. I had to learn a Brooks and Dunn song. Well, two Brooks and Dunn songs from my friend and drummer Darla's. She's a residency in Atwater Village. And so she wanted me to sing these songs with her. So I started learning them. And I'd been talking to my roommate about, I was like, wouldn't it be funny if we made like pop country music? Like we should just like try and so I learned these Brooks and Dunn songs and I had my guitar in front of me and I was like, fuck it. Let's like try to write a pop country song. Let's just see what happens. And I wrote this song in the span of, I don't know, half an hour. This song just poured out of me. And it was like kind of ridiculous, a little silly. And of course, I did the search for validation thing. And I immediately took a voice memo of it and I sent it to like all my friends and was like, hey, what do you think? And did not get the reactions that I was expecting of, this is so stupid. What are you doing? This is pop country. Instead, I got, oh, this is actually pretty good. This is good. This is good. So, yeah. So, I wrote that. And then I woke up the next day and I was like, mm, let's just see what else comes out. And I wrote three songs in a day of the same style. And then I woke up the next day and I wrote two more. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, shit. Like, this is going to be an album, I think. It's one of those things where I would never envision myself like sitting here promoting a pop country record that I'm doing. But like this shit, like it feels so natural. Every day I wake up and I'm like, are you sure that this is what you want to do? Are you sure you're investing so much time, so much money, so much energy into this project? Are you still like confident about it? And yeah, I am. Like, I think it's really fucking cool and good. And I think that the traditional country fans might like be a little upset about this, but I think it's really cool. And I think that a lot of people will get on board who might have hesitations. And I think that, you know, it's not like there's not a world for pop country. Like it's on the radio because there's a world for it. So anyway, I don't mean to sound like I don't, I'm not making this record because I'm like, I got to get on the radio and make money. It, I just really like it. I think it's like really catchy and really fun. And that's like when I make a record, it's usually I've made records that sound like so many different things and it's, a hundred percent because it's like, what am I listening to right now? What am I inspired by? What am I into? And then I make that record. It's not like, well, what is going to like blend with the last record? What's going to make sense for like these people to like, because they liked X, Y, Z. So that's where I'm at. That's so cool. I, we talked very little about music last time. Cause we were talking so much about you getting sober, right. but 
you did mention, we talked about you in high school and you talked about how you were an indie kid and, or mm -hmm. an emo kid. You were listening to then and what you were saying about pop country. The New York Times pop culture podcast this week had an episode about maybe who you're talking about and just what is happening in music now with mm -hmm. pop country. Like you mentioned this to me before and I was like, that's a really smart move. Like it, mm -hmm. it's for some reason, what used to be cringe to our generation is cool. And yeah. this sort of also reminds me of something else. We talked about self mythologizing and mm -hmm. being earnest, which feels so uncool to us so that, mm -hmm. but i think that's changing with the generation behind us yeah. and why do you think that is like why do you and and a, was it something that you were kind of like maybe i always did like this it just wasn't cool yeah. has that been coming up or are you genuinely f discovering it for the first time i think it's it's really just having an open mind i think that as a quote unquote like indie musician or like an alt musician there's so much stigma that goes into being anti-mainstream. I spent so much of my life not even giving stuff that you hear on the radio that everyone else likes a chance because I was like, it's not cool. It's not like a Nigerian folk song, you know? It's, I listen to shit that no one's ever listened to. That was so our era though. Yeah. I don't think Gen Z no, is doing that, that in high school. Yeah, I mean, I can't, speak, I can't speak for Gen Z because I still don't understand Gen Z at all. And I'm trying to a little bit, but it's... I, I I hope, I would like to hope that it comes from a place of like, just listen to what you like and like be confident in your taste. I think as a musician, I've noticed this like trend, I'm not going to call it a trend, but like something I've noticed is that a lot of musicians eventually make a pop record. Like if you're an indie musician or like whatever, like eventually you make a pop record because I think as a musician, you get to a point where you listen to enough music and like you can understand the value in a hit song or like a pop song. Like you can hear the instrumentation, hear the process, hear like the production value and be like, oh shit, that's actually pretty good. That's actually something cool that like, why wouldn't I explore that? So I think that that's kind of where I'm at now. It's like I DJ a lot for side income and a lot of the DJ gigs I do are like very pop heavy. And it's been a whole world that I've had to learn to discover for monetary reasons. But I, it kind of opened up my ears. I was like, oh shit, this Ariana Grande song is sick. Listen to this beat or listen to this melody that she's using. And, and it's like, why would you, just because like you're too cool for everything and like you want to be the first one to, you know, find some African folk band, like why not just listen to stuff that's cool? And granted, I still listen to all that obscure indie shit. Like I still love it, but like, why can't I love that and also love Brooks and Dunn? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think... That I mean, that there's been, it's not cool to not consume content only because it's popular mm. or that is cool, but it's, I think we're too old. I think we just need to like what we like and, mm. and just yeah. what, what's the point of, but maybe every generation feels this way at some point. Like you just get to a certain point and you're you're tired of trying to keep up the self mythology of only the obscure, whatever. I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's really, I, I do agree that I think we're just tired. <laughs> I feel like it's so hard to keep up appearances for so long. I feel like my entire twenties were just like 
what's my identity? Not even what's my identity. What identity am I going to show to the world? What am I going to, what's my tone of voice when I'm like posting on fucking Instagram or whatever? Like what, what is this identity I'm trying to get across? And you get to a point where it's like, and I think in a way that's a, that's like a search to find who you are. I think we all kind of do that to some extent, but I think once you kind of figure out who you are or even figure out like, it doesn't really matter. Like it doesn't matter what you're portraying to everyone, just be yourself and that who you actually are will naturally just come out. And even if you want to portray some weird shit or do something that isn't even you, who cares? Just have fun with your life. And we take this, this approach to showcasing our individual so seriously and I don't think I don't think it's really worth. It. I, I think maybe it is worth it, but I'm just tired. Yeah, I mean, Sam made a good point about this when we were talking about Instagram and self mythologizing. It demystifies it a little bit because we're all feeling it on some level. And what Sam said is that David Bowie having a persona of Ziggy Stardust. We're all doing that. Yeah, it's just that's actually more authentic because you're just saying that you're doing that. Oh, you know, absolutely. like who I am that you see on my Instagram story is not who you see on the hike. But also like, why not do that? It's so fun. Yeah. There will always be distance between what you look like on the internet and who you actually are, I think. Yeah. But also why not? Because I feel very like split personality and not even in just two ways, multiple ways, but I can be a very serious, thoughtful person in some way introspective, but also I can be like a total silly, sarcastic, ridiculous person also. And I love both those sides of myself. And I think that's kind of where when we go back to the last time we spoke about like my sobriety was I was really scared when I got sober that I was going to lose that silly side of myself because I could only tap into that side when I was like wasted. But now I can tap into it anytime I want. Or I can be, you know, this person who's a little bit more like introspective and like it's all there. So whatever I choose to portray, like it's it's not really artificial, but it can be a fun thing, you know? Yeah. And then as I was saying that, I'm like, I guess I follow you on the internet and I know you in life and it doesn't actually feel that different. I think I know a few more details than you would put on there. But other than that, it actually feels it feels pretty congruent to me. Yeah. So I'll be I interested know. to see what you think whenever this stuff starts coming out. Yeah, me I too. think because I think, you know, the stylistic version of this is pretty ridiculous. Like it's a little it's not, I don't want to say jokey because the point of this project was never irony or a joke by any means. Like I'm fully fucking like dead on confident with this, but I think that it's a little bit more of an animated version of myself, which I'm really excited about. It makes me really happy and really like stoked to do it, but it's going to be, it's going to be out there. Like <laughs> It's going to be a little ridiculous, but yeah, I don't know. As someone, I was talking to someone the other day and they were like, yeah, I think the The main style of this is it's like kind of silly, but also like kind of artsy (laughs) and kind of cool. And I don't know, not that it needs, not that you need to like label anything, but like, I think that's kind of a um, appropriate representation of what's going to happen. Did you ever do theater as a kid? Never. No. Way too scared. Mm. How did you get into music originally? When did you decide that you wanted to pursue that? And that's what made you move to Nashville, right? Okay, interrupting this episode briefly to tell you how I recently met this punk rock singer turned psychotherapist who created a model and a movement for human connection. 
The Narrative Method. It's a nonprofit run by my neighbor, my friend Micah, and it uses creative expression to connect us more deeply to ourselves and each other. It has so much in common with Let It Out, and you'll be hearing a lot more about the narrative method. And if you've been listening, you've already heard a little bit. And its colorful founder, my new best friend, Sherry, is going to be on the podcast really soon. And listen, this model was founded by her, an award-winning psychotherapist, and it's proven it has 12 core concepts. And at this point, they've done over 1,500 workshops with over 30,000 participants. And get this, you don't have to be a writer to join, whether you are into writing or you're not into it, but want to try, or you're into having heartfelt conversations, there's a spot for you within the narrative method. It's totally judgment-free, no need to worry about impressing anyone there. And if you're craving connection and looking to get more creative in a space that feels like home, because listen, it is your home because the, the salons that they offer are on Zoom. <laughs> Look into the narrative method. It's completely free. Join their free salons. They've got writing ones. They've got conversation ones. Head over to the narrativemethod.org, sign up and let the narrative method help you with your loneliness, help you with your creative blocks and help you to become better at being yourself. I talk a lot about journaling. Kale and I in this episode talk a lot about journaling. Writing is really the only way I can figure out how I'm feeling and what I need to do. It often morphs into a list. It often helps me to figure out what actions I need to take and who I need to connect with. So I hope that you try it. Five free salons happen every single week, including four writing salons and one conversation salon. This is more than just community. People are at the center, real people, often strangers, daring to show up to the narrative method, tap into their lived experiences and come to see and be seen, engage with others with empathy and to witness and be witnessed. That's really beautiful. My friend Micah wrote that. My neighbor Micah wrote that. Visit thenarrativemethod.org today and start connecting in a whole new way. Can't wait to see you there. Okay, back to my conversation with Kale. I actually brought Micah to Kale's one-year sober party because Micah has been sober for 10 years and it was a it's a real full circle moment that we're all sort of here together. Okay. I grew up with a family that was very conservative and very conservative in their views of life trajectory. It was like, you're going to be, my dad told me I could be a doctor or a lawyer when I grew up. Give me two options, which great yeah. options. I didn't, didn't hit either one, but basically music was always like, that'll be a nice hobby for you, but you're never going to be lucky enough to make it. And then I played guitar, you know, would play in like emo metal bands and shit in high school. Anyway, and then I got into college and my first year of college, I started to just write and actually had a little bit of autonomy for the first time in my life and put a band together. And then we were playing shows around, this is all like Dallas, Fort Worth area. And I was like, oh, wow, like this is something that's very fulfilling and could be kind of cool. So then I like lied to my dad and I was like, oh, I can go to Belmont and then I'll do entertainment studies and then I can be an entertainment lawyer but deep down like I never wanted to do that but that was kind of my way to get to Nashville like a shadow artist in Julia Cameron's 
art, art display. display. You know, yeah. she talks about that. You know, it's like so funny you said that. Adjacent. I'm about to start it again. I so haven't funny. done it since I did it in like 2020, and I'm about to start it again. Wow, I'm okay. very excited. Yeah, yeah, me too. Maybe I'll do it with you. Yeah, you should. We should. All, we should get a bunch of people back in it. Keep yeah. each other accountable. Okay, so go on. So you're going to be an entertainment lawyer. You yeah. Should. Anyway, I had a friend that was living out there from Texas, and he convinced me to move there. I moved there. The day I moved there, he moved back to Texas. So I knew basically no one in Nashville. Went to school there, learned how to record music and stuff. And just from there, years went by where I was making records. And then it was just like a natural trajectory of I got a booking agent and I got a manager and then was on tour. So like by the time I got out of college, it was like I didn't have room for law school anymore. It was like this is I have to go all in. And I was dating someone who had the absolute complete opposite upbringing of me. So she was told from her whole life, like, yeah, you can do this. You got this. You can do this. Like, as long as you believe in yourself, which is so funny because I was told, you don't got this. This is a hobby. You have to get really lucky, which, you know, I think there's a middle ground between both of those. Um, So it was both inspiring to see how much she believed in herself and, and kind of that was inspiring, but that was also really frustrating for me because it was this whole like mind fuck of like, you know, why, why don't I have these? Why wasn't I told this? Why can't I believe in myself like that? And I think like, I didn't like, I had so much imposter syndrome with music for up until like literally two years ago. It was like, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to do this. I was supposed to be a lawyer. I was supposed to like follow in this blueprint that my dad had set out for me. And like, it's taken me so long to shed that. And it's, I, I don't mean that in any way to be negative or talk bad about my dad, like, because he, that's the way he was raised. Yeah, that's totally. like, that's the traditional way. Um, but I think that we do live in a different kind of time now where creative outlets are an app, like it can be a career path. And I still think that music is the stupidest career path of all time. Like the amount of money I've poured into music that I haven't gotten back is uh, nauseating, <laughs> but I do think that, you know, we live in a time where you can pursue stuff and like, I have a very creative life. Like the stuff that other stuff I do for money is creative. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's taken me a while to shed that imposter feeling, but I feel pretty confident. What helped with that? Growing up, honestly, I think like just, I think discovering who I am, like discovering like this isn't an impo- This is like who you actually are. You know, it's like the, what's the thing of like actions um, kind of set your, your thoughts or whatever. I think it was like, you've been doing this for so long. This is who you are. Like, why would you think any differently? And not to like go back to the sobriety thing, but like, I think that sobriety has given me a, um, a chance to sit with myself and not like be like constantly numb or like running away from something to where I actually do have a, pretty good idea of who I am at this point. Um, or it so forces you. It kind of forces you in a way. I think that and then like, dude, artist way. Like I, I know we talk about it all the time, but like that was like so big for me of realizing. Cause I think Julia Cameron, I think she says something in there like, like one of her points is like, if you call yourself this or like, if you're doing this and you call yourself, like, let's say that you're making, um, paintings and then you call yourself a painter like that's who you are mm-hmm. like you're a painter like be proud of that the book is ugh, i'm so excited to do it again are you still doing morning pages have you been doing it this yeah i still do morning pages i do like i don't do three anymore and that's why i kind of want to start again i do like one or two so yeah well 
there's something interesting about what you were saying of this album being so different and being, would you say it's more, I know it's bigger and, and it's not mm. a version of you that you are every day because it's a more performative, mm. but as a concept album, it's more to me, I'm feeling like it's more authentic to what you are wanting to do. What would be more most interesting to you to make right now? Exactly. So in that way, it's more authentic to you. Do you think that age and time and experience allowed you to be able to be like, yeah, I'm actually going to do this. And instead of stopping yourself and being like, that would be fun, but like, I can't. Yeah. Cool. No, I mean, it takes like, this is not like a, this is going to sound like a braggy statement, but it's, it takes like confidence to do something like this, you know, like I have to go into this fully confident or else I will throw it away immediately. What I'm doing is so against the world, like a, like traditional country. I don't know if you know about this world, but it is a very like strong mindset of, I mean, it's people that are listening to records that were made in the same three decades. And it's like, Nothing expands on that. Those those records are not like new Merle Haggard records from the you know sixties seventies. Yeah. Like it's gonna it's like stagnant. always it's stagnant. Right. And I love it. Like don't get me wrong. I love traditional country music. Is like one of the most near and dear things to my heart. But I think that this is something that is like a lot of those people that listen to that are like this is the kind of record that like really upsets them. <laughs> so to go back to confidence, like I have to be confident about this because I truly do. I love it. I think it's incredible. This record that we're making and um, it's catchy and it's fun. And it's also like the songs are like good songs. Like I'm proud of the songs themselves. So yeah, I mean, I think it's age. I think it's time. I think it's like just getting confidence for the first time. It's not like a fake confidence. Yeah, I think at a certain point, even with Instagram, you have to just be like, all right, this is, it, it's a self-acceptance even, mm -hmm. maybe not even full-on confidence, but we've had a couple conversations, or at least last time we sort of talked about age, and for me, coming into my 30s, or I don't know if it was, if it's LA, or if it's the pandemic, or if it's turning 30, or if it's just me, but it does feel like this movement into a different half of life that requires something different than the other one did and allows for some things different than the other one did of like, okay, I can commit to the bit of yeah. my new album oh my God, yeah. or whatever. And I need to call it commit to the bit. That's so good. There you go. <laughs> Do you know Richard Rohr? I don't know. So he talks about this concept of the second half of life. There's two halves of life and the first half is about acquisition and certainty and upward mobility. It's very ego-based. Mm -hmm. And that's like your 20, up through your 20s. And then he goes on to say that the second half of life is the contents of the container. So you build up this ego container and then this is the time where you discover the meaning behind whatever you did in the first half. And there's a bit more openness I think there and I don't know does that resonate with you at all it does I mean I think you know 20s are a big searching for ego I guess I mean 
I think that like one thing that's been really um, that's kind of weighed heavy on my mind over the last year was like, what is the difference between like pride and like ego basically? Because I think that, you know, 12 step programs are very like, let's get rid of the ego, take the ego out, get rid of the ego. And so it kind of confused me in the point that I was, anytime I would start to believe in myself or be like, fuck yeah, like this song rules or whatever, you know, I was like, Oh no, like there, that's my ego. Like I gotta get rid of that. I have to get that, get that out. But I think that, you know, the difference that I'm still unraveling this day by day, but I think it's like, you can be proud of what you're doing and confident in that and like understand who you are and understand your values and that you're sticking with them and what you're doing is just an extension of your values um, without being overly self-indulgent or self-involved. And like, I think if you're still thinking about other people, if you're still living somewhat selflessly, then like it's okay to like pursue something that's a little selfish. Maybe Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that, being a musician has made that a really tricky thing because, you know, maybe this goes for any kind of artist, but for musicians, it's especially nauseating where you're constantly like having to be like, Hey, like, look at this single, look at this music video. Look at like, it's so asking. Yeah. So asking. And so just like demanding attention all the time. And I hate it. I hate it so much. And I can see it when other people do it, nothing against them, but like, it like makes me depressed. And I'm about to have to do that again. But I, I think I think that there is a point of doing that, or not a point, there's um a method of doing that in a way that is like, you know, it's confident, it's this is what I have to do, this is a thing. And then there's a way of doing that where it's just like, I just want validation. Like, please give me validation, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm trying not to fall into that because I think my entire 20s into early 30s were like so validation seeking especially as a musician like please like validate the song that i made please validate this please validate this and in a way like it hasn't stopped i still seek validation all the time but it's not as like um beggy i guess is beggy a word yeah it's not as beggy (laughs) beggy (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i think the ego has a purpose i think it can direct us into Richard Ward talks about that, you know, it's first half of life stuff. And I think, yeah, I, there's something about the, the intersection of what you were saying, pride and ego and confidence and you to, to do something good or connect with people. Maybe you did, maybe it was an ego need that got you going or Mm -hmm. turned the ignition on, but then eventually the intention behind it shifted from it's all about what the intention behind it is. Is it for validation to get something that the ego is wanting that's not going to last or is it something else? And I think that is a self-honesty that comes from slowing down and paying attention, like morning pages, that sort of thing. Oh yeah. Big time, big time. I, I don't know. It's, it's getting easier to see the difference between ego and like narcissism because i think that you know i think that when if you actively don't believe that the world is revolving around you at all times i think it's a good sign (laughs) you know you're not too full of uh of ego at that point yeah 
That's an excellent marker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, last time we didn't have time for rapid fire questions, but we do today. Perfect. Some of them are things you texted me. Some of them are, oh, we need to look if we got any more things that people submitted for you to answer. And some of them are mine. So just say the first thing that comes to your mind. I'll warm you up with an easy one. What's the best thing you've eaten in the last week? Uh, Brownie. (laughs) I was working an event. I was DJing an event recently and they had this brownie with caramel on it, but it was so good. What's something that you've learned about yourself this last year? So far. Mm. Oh my God. It's supposed to be rapid fire, right? Something I've learned about myself. I don't need eight hours of sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Same. You sent me tapping into stillness and not taking life too seriously. Why did you want to talk about that? What do you mean by both of those? That sounds pretty deep. Are you sure I sent that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, the silliness one i think we've talked about a little but just like not taking everything too seriously and i i see so many people um taking everything very seriously and i don't want to do it i'm i want to have fun i'm so tired of like working on presenting myself in a way that's so rigid and complex and all this you know stuff that i want to show you how deep of a human i am like no i'm just i'm just having fun I feel like for the first time in my life, my life is so fun lately. I'm not saying it always will be, but like everything I'm doing, we just made this music video that's so stupid and it's all about TikTok and I don't know anything about TikTok and it was so much fun. And I don't know, I'm just, I'm really enjoying not, not attaching any seriousness to really anything in my life right now. It's pretty nice. That's so good. Something that one of my favorite parts from our first conversation was you were talking about non-attachment to a medium like Mm -hmm. ceramics you were just starting that and you were like i really am just keeping this fun i'm not putting any pressure on it and then i made this joke i was like oh because you had earlier said that you tended to be avoidant in relationships Mm. attachment styles if we're like Mm. thinking about that book (laughs) (laughs) and then i was like oh funny so you're you kind of are doing that with mediums like you're not wanting to get too attached and Mm -hmm. you're so is it similar of now you're practicing non-attachment in kind of, I mean, I think the attachment style thing is weird. Like I think that I don't think you can have one. Attachment it changes. Style. Yeah. I this is our conversation at the top yeah, of the hill in the, in the, in not in the context of creative projects <laughs> in the context that it's meant to be talked about. Yeah. yeah. Dating. I mean, I think that I think, Here's my thing with creative outlets for me is that I change my mind all the time. <laughs> I was like all on ceramic. I still love ceramics. I'm, I'm getting back into it, but it's like, I like to keep everything extremely fresh and have fun with it. So once I finish making this record, who's to say that I won't go do something completely different, but I hope no music business people hear me say that, but I think like, I think it's all it's all just like keeping it fun. Yeah. Like you said, keeping it loose, keeping it fun, like trying not to worry too much about like your, you know, the character that you're putting on like, okay, well, this is me now. Oh my God. Well then I have to wake up tomorrow and be that person again. And then I have to wake up the next day and be that person. What if I stop liking it? It's like, fuck that. If you stop liking it, move to something else. Keep it in the day. Keep it in the day. Yeah. I mean, I think in the context of we both experienced this in dating where it's not putting it in a container, not Mm putting too much pressure on it, not, you know, defining it necessarily. I think that's actually a 
taking out of the dating context, I think that's actually a really great thing to do with creative projects. Yeah. And just letting it see what it becomes. Also good in, in dating good in too. Dating too yeah. But yeah, I, and challenging because especially when you get really excited about something, it can be really sticky for your mind to attach to mm -hmm. in both ways. But I think if you can, non-attachment is such an attractive energy and oh my god hopefulness and grabby energy or what did you say baggy is so off-putting are we talking people. about dating again? both i think it really does apply to both <laughs> it definitely applies to both yeah i think asking for things asking for help the more intense people are about it the less the more off-putting it is same mm. with dating same with really anything i think yeah. that that's why it's it's clear that the it's a energetic of attachment yeah know? i mean i think it all boils down to just do what makes you happy you know like i think if you're like if you're pushing something too hard then it's you know it's not making you happy i i, I don't know this is something i'm having to just you know repeat to myself in life over and over whether we're talking about dating or creativity if you're like looking for something external to validate you mm -hmm. like you're never going to be validated so it's be happy with who you are and let's say someone comes into your life and then makes it better then you know run with that that's great or let's say a project, you decide to make a country pop record, it comes in and run with that. Like just run with stuff, but don't don't obsess over anything. I, I think, God, maybe I am avoidant. I think <laughs> basically, because what I'm saying is like, you know, don't attach yourself to anything. But No, I, I think you're saying you're secure. Yeah, yeah, like be secure with yourself. And then if other things come along that contribute to your happiness, then yeah, by all means, go forward with them. Yeah, well, let's... Let's talk about it. Yeah. another thing you texted me was dating question mark LOL. <laughs> oh my god, that's because we talk about it on, on top I of know. the hill. Did you read that thing I sent you? No, not yet. I got it last night. Well, a funny part, I'll read part of it right now to you. Cause mm. one of the things we were talking about is that attachment style book is it's not bogus. And maybe they talk about this in it, but you can really flip-flop. Like I have been the avoidant person mm -hmm. when someone's been too grabby, beggy mm -hmm. towards me. I'm like, or even if they're not, I'm just not as into it. I've mm -hmm. been the one to be avoidant. So I know what that feels like. Mm -hmm. And then uh, more often I've been the one hopeful or I've made someone special. And then I know what they're doing to me because I've done it to somebody else and yeah, we flip flop. That's and that's about. what we were talking yeah. about. Like it feels yeah. so bad because we've been both. And that's what this, this is my friend Maddie's newsletter, which is incredible. And everyone should subscribe to it. It's called wait, have you read this? And she recommends books. It's a book recommendation newsletter, but she wrote one called nice guys. And I'm going to just read you a little bit of oh it. Oh my God, please. Okay. Let's see where I should begin. Okay. A nice guy is a human bouquet of red flags, emotional avoidance personified. They are the people in your life whose souls are screaming for a bell hooks book. The people who make you feel like you're too much. Nice guys are the people who you sleep with, who now call you by your last name. They are strategically passive and perfect marksmen of weaponizing uncertainty. They are people you go on great first dates with and never hear from again. They fundamentally and sometimes intentionally misconstrue awareness for accountability. They are most likely your ex-boyfriend. And while I would prefer to avoid telling you this, they are most likely 
at some point or another, you. Don't be mad at me. Avoidance is a sickness we all suffer from. We're romanticizing and commercializing isolation more than ever before, touting the benefits of a frictionless existence. But... Uh, all right. Basically, yeah. the point is you're both. We're both things. unavailable Sorry, at times. That was really yeah. Long. No, it's great. I love it. Um, it's very true. I, I think that definitely goes back to what we were talking about. Yeah. We, I, I, I don't know why I read that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, give me your greatest lesson on dating. Greatest lesson on dating. I don't Dating is so hard. I think. I don't know. Yeah. I think honestly, it's just like looking at the other person as like a person who. Because it's like what we said is like, sometimes you're unavailable. Learning that if someone doesn't like you back, like, it's okay. Because mm-hmm. you also haven't liked other people back, you know? And like, yeah, it can like really hurt sometimes to know if you build someone up a bunch and they don't reciprocate the feelings. It's okay. If it doesn't work out, it just doesn't work out. And it wasn't meant to work out. And don't try to force something. I guess that's the lesson. Don't try to force it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. What you're saying about how it's not about you, essentially, like if somebody doesn't like you back, it could be for a plethora of reasons Mm -hmm. and not trying to force something. When I was telling you about running into that person on the hike, I, I instantly felt embarrassed about what I said because I got silly hurt about not hurt but I was just like oh man I just got back and like that's my stuff like Mm -hmm. I made that about me he could have had a stressful day or like been going through it or just like Mm -hmm. not I do that so many times on the hike where I I feel like I've seen you and you're my you're my nice friend and neighbor that I like a lot but I've been like oh man kind of hope to not see anybody here like I get it and that's probably what he was doing and so whenever you can like detach from your ego from it yeah get out of your head and get into the head of the other person or you don't even have to get in their head but like knowing like i I think we get so wrapped up in our own shit that we forget that everyone else is wrapped up in their own shit too like it's yeah yeah and try not to take anything too personally yeah which is both it can be both comforting and kind of maddening depending on where you're at because i think Sometimes it feels terrible to be like this thing that was so big to me, mm-hmm. nobody cares about. But that's good well, because like it the, gets you out Yeah, it. it's like the dating thing. I think we talked about how like whenever you, you're like mad at someone for doing something to you, right? And you're like, oh, they, they didn't text me back for four hours, whatever it is. And then you realize like you see mm-hmm. like, let's say the next person that you're seeing or something or a fling, like you do that to them. <laughs> And then you see yourself do it and you're like, oh, wait, so wait, how do I feel about this person? Oh, like, I don't really, I don't really like that person like that, you know? And then you're like, oh man, I wonder if that's what they felt when they did that to me. I don't know. It's like, it can be a mind fuck, but I, I think it's generally positive if you can get out of your head and just yeah. be like, okay, it all makes sense. Yeah. And I think I read this article going back to the second half of life thing and mm-hmm. about teens, it, mm-hmm. they filed three 13 year old girls, the New York times and they in different places and read their phones and they send them voice messages. And a lot of what they were talking about, I was like, I still feel all those, like I'm not that different than these (laughs) people. Yeah. Do you feel your age? And also too, like in the music industry, do you feel like age is something that is Mm -hmm. relevant to you or do you feel? I feel old. I feel, I mean, I'm 32 and I feel exactly 32, to be honest with you. I think there's been moments in my life where it's like, 
I've longed or like yearned to be like a part of the younger generation and be able to go out to clubs and to do all this stuff and be social. But like, I don't really care anymore. Like I, <laughs> I would rather go to like a dinner party. I can't believe, I can't believe I'm saying this now, but I honestly, like, I, I don't think I'm boring, but I really just chill in now and like doing like being with like close friends rather than like going to a party where I'm going to have the same conversation that has no substance whatsoever with like a hundred people. Um, in terms of the music industry, that's something that's, it, it kind of goes back to like not caring because I think that, you know, for like a decade when I was pursuing music so hard, it was, I got to a point where I was in like my late twenties and I was like, maybe I'm too old. Like maybe all the artists that are getting signed are like 21 year olds, you know, and maybe I'm just too old and I've released too much stuff already. And you know, can't be groomed like a younger person can. And you know, these are all just like negative thoughts that you tell yourself. And, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, I won't make it quote unquote it in the music world or whatever, but it's like, who cares anymore? That's all just like negative thinking. Like all I can do is just put out what I want to put out be proud of it. And if I like it, then like, that's good enough. Like, I think yeah. I told you this last time and it's like, when I die, I just want to leave behind as much shit as possible that I liked doing. Like, that's the goal. So... I think that's a really good one. Well, is there anything else that you wish that I would have asked you that you never get to talk about? I've been telling people that I'm 6'3 lately. How tall um, are you? 6'1. But if we could advertise that very heavily, then I'm 6'3. Well, you know that. You know your <laughs> height is. Yeah, my height is right permanently over there. Here, yeah, yeah. Um, in the guest book. So Do you need like, to. You can make the that? subject like Kale Tyson grows two inches, 6'3 now, just like to let everyone know. I will say. I'm pretty sure your height is higher than it is over there because you were in cowboy boots that day. So that mm, might have. They could have changed it, but also horrible posture. That might Look have, at me right now. <laughs> well, that might have, that's my fault because I'm making you lean in oh, close to the microphone. Do you want to recommend anything? Last time you recommended Sam Shepard's book, yeah, Chronicles, which I got it? and read. So good. I feel like I just, I keep rereading it. Like someone I posted on Instagram the other day and one of my friends was like, how many times are you going to reread this book? I was like, every three months. <laughs> I do that too with a couple books. Um, let's recommend something. Let's figure something out. Okay. What can I recommend? Daily meditation. What kind of meditation are you doing? I'm not doing any meditation oh, right see. now, but Wait, I recommend okay. it. <laughs> to yourself? Actually, or? I am. I am. Okay. Mm -hmm. So my meditation thing, I'll talk about real quick. I, paid an exorbitant amount of money and you're supposed What's to your mantra? yeah let me tell you guys my mantra everyone <laughs> if you made it this far in the episode it's you the now get to hear my mantra <laughs> how many syllables Venmo me five hundred dollars <laughs> and i'll give you my mantra two syllables <laughs> me too aim like, one honestly every time i ask people to say two so i'm kind of like i looked up on reddit i shouldn't be saying this i looked up on reddit and it said like i don't want to yeah never mind this? we won't talk about it okay, okay. anyway <laughs> so i was doing tm and I like took the class and everything. And they're like, all right, what you have to do is 20 minutes twice a day of meditation. And I started off really strong. Really strong in the sense that I was doing 20 minutes once a day, which is really strong for me, honestly. And then I kind of fell off. Then I come back to it. And then meditation became this thing that I was stressing out over. It was like, oh my God, I have to meditate. I have to meditate. Like, when am I going to find time to meditate? Yeah. And then it was like, because it was 20 minutes too, it was like, it was kind of a lot to do. So I have technically 22 and a half. Exactly. Is, 40 minutes yeah, a day. Don't close your eyes till after two and a half minutes. And yeah. And then when you come out of it, come out of it slowly. It's such a, 
I mean, this is ridiculous. This is speaking of capitalism. Like we can't afford ourselves time to like sit still, but, um, I have shifted it. Someone told me meditation is fine. As long as you spend like a couple minutes that you're truly just sit- sitting there like silently and like zoning out or not zoning out, but like, you know, just like focusing on your breathing or whatever. If you can just do like that's meditation. Cause I think I was always like, well, like I need 20 minutes because I don't actually get into the headspace until 10 and a half minutes. And then I'm really in it. And I was always like searching for this, like, it's going to feel like this when I do it right. It's going to feel like this. I don't think there really is that much of that feeling. I think it's more so just like letting yourself be open for a little while. I mean, I think with anything, if it starts to become, I take everything to an extreme. And Mm -hmm. when I do even the good things, it can easily slip into the territory of harmful you know and i think that's a self-awareness bit that is useful (laughs) do you ever meet people though that meditate like all the time and they're like you can tell when you talk to them you're like hey how's it going like i'm i'm good like Like, you'll know when you see them because they're just like they're so chill okay point it out to me next time yeah i will well let's check the instagram to see if there are any last questions we want to do that are fun but i think we got it you feel good do you I feel, feel like great this, okay? is, this is so fun i feel like these are all did someone ask how tall i was yeah he's six <laughs> two everybody six three six three yeah. all right well let's end with a deep breath okay inhale let it out <sighs> do i do the celebrity game once all right do you want to play a game to start? Sure. <laughs> Just to oh <laughs> loosen God, up. Yeah. Okay. This is a game that my friends Aaron and Noah made up. It's a great road trip game. Mm-hmm. We call it the celebrity game. So you're going to think of a celebrity you'd most want to go on a date with, a celebrity you'd most want to help be around while you were painting your house, a celebrity you'd most want to go shopping with, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you think of the celebrity and then I have to ask questions and I have to guess who it is. Okay. I'm not very good with pop culture, but I can try. But it's more like what you, it's more just trust your instincts. Okay. Actually, I'll be the guesser though. I'm also not great at pop culture, but it's more like how well you know the person is really what mm. this comes down to. Okay. Okay. So let's do celebrity you'd most want to go on a road trip with. That's a good one actually. Okay. Do you think of it? And then when you have it, tell, tell me you're ready. What kind of celebrity? Is this just celebrity It could in be someone dead. It could be an author. It could be a playwright. It could be a musician. It could be a mm. model. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me. Think. Just trust the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay, that's hard. Just the. First thing that comes to my mind. Okay. I don't know why this person's popping up. I'm, I'm just going to go with it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Are they alive? They're alive. Are they older than us or younger than us? Older. Significantly older or like close to our mm, age? Significant, like over a decade probably. So in their 40s? Maybe 50s. Okay. Are they a musician? Mm-mm. Are they an actor? Actor. Are they a comedic actor or dramatic actor? Dramatic. Have I definitely seen something they're in? Probably, yeah. This is so random. <laughs> John Cusack. No, that's a good one though. It's kind of in that realm. Jeremy Piven. No. But I'm warm. You're. I mean, you're warm in that you're like. It's like male kind of. Kind alt of, of actors. that air. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't. They're not that alt. Okay. More more alt than those dudes. In a lot of alt movies, but some mainstream too. I think he's from Texas. Matthew McConaughey. No, but close. I was thinking Matthew. Richard McConaughey. Linklater. Ethan Hawke. Richard Linklater. Ethan Hawke. You got Ethan it. Ethan Hawke. Wow. I have no idea why that came to my mind, but pretty good. That yeah. was really quick. I know. I'm really good at this game. Ethan that Hawk was that fun. was bad for me. That was really like really I good. sometimes I'll just be like I'll just look at someone and I'll be like, and I I mean it's just guessing, but that was pretty crazy. I know. Wow. If we have time at the end, we can do one. You can try to. Okay. I'll think of it. <laughs> Be here depressed and cool. Yeah. The LA way. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that was my episode with Kale. Follow him wherever you can. (laughs) And keep your eyes peeled, like I said, for those new singles, which will be out very soon, and his new album in the new year. We got to hear this. This pop country pivot that happened. And keep in touch with him he's he's a really gentle sweet person who you know I, I i said this in there but i do love running into him up on the hill and talking about whatever we end up talking about and he always always makes me laugh and if you haven't heard our first conversation i actually really love that episode we talked about self-mythologizing and creating an image being allergic to earnestness and he tells his wild story of going to rehab and getting sober and what got him to that point and i surprised him with a few questions from friends of ours so let us know if you listen to that or this one and thank you to kale for coming back. I hope he comes on many more times. I think this is probably one of the guests who's come back the soonest, which is great. And you know, who knows, maybe he'll be back in another couple months. I hope so, when the album's out, who knows? All right, if we play our cards right. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week with a new episode. And in the meantime, my second show with Serena is in full swing. So feel free to go there. Or of course, I'm also on the 12th house right now, the Holisticism podcast. So plenty of me all over the internet. All right. Thank you so much for being here. I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.